Victory for the Forsaken. For Lordaeron. For the Kirin Tor. For Pandaria. For Kalimdor. To the Burning Legion. For Gilneas. For Kazmatan. For the Lich King. For the Sindorai. For the Alliance. For the Horde. For Azeroth. This episode of For Azeroth is brought to you by our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash faz. Faz will always be free, but if you enjoy the content we produce, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash faz. That's patreon.com slash f-a-z. Welcome to For Azeroth, a podcast all about World of Warcraft. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Manny. Uh, we are also going to be joined this week by Madeline Rue in a very special episode talking all about her new novel, Shadows Rising. I hope you enjoy. Madeline, thank you so much for joining us here on For Azeroth today. We have a lot of questions. I know I've now finished Shadows Rising it was so good. <laughs> so we're Thank so, you. so, so happy to have you here. Um, so everyone, it's uh, myself, Jocelyn on the call. We've also got uh, Madeline Rue, who is the author of Shadows Rising. And of course, Manny is joining us today as well. So we're going to jump straight into this. And um, we're kind of going to do a spoiler free starting questions. And then we're going to move into the spoilers later on. So Guys, don't worry if you haven't finished the book yet. You can listen to the first part of the interview with Madeline before worrying about being spoiled on the book. So, uh, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> um, Madeline, before we do actually jump into the questions about the novel specifically, uh, do you mind just giving our listeners a little bit of a background into like your work before working on uh, Shadows Rising and uh, just like other novels you've written, a little bit of a, a mini bio, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me. It's it's uh, exciting to be here. Uh, I am an author. I've been doing this for professionally for all coming up on 20, 20 years, 10 years. My God, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> I was coming up on you do not look old enough to have been <laughs> was, writing yeah. novels for 20 yeah, years. I've been publishing <laughs> since I was nine, you know, um, no, yeah, I've been doing it for about 10 years. Uh, I went to university initially for um, anthropology, archaeology, and then I, I ended up changing my major to writing. It was um, just something I'd always been passionate about. It was always my hobby, but I hadn't really considered it like a viable career path until I realized I wasn't really good at anything else. So, um, yeah, so I switched focus and... Um, really just poured all my energy into into studying writing. And obviously, there were a lot of literature courses and things like that that came with it. Um, but then I started submitting to magazines. Uh, before I graduated, I, I got a magazine or a, a short story published in a magazine. And that was encouraging. And so I kind of just kept going at it. And I ended up having my first novel, uh, Alice and Hewitt is Trapped published pretty much right out of college. I was Yeah, that, that was the summer after I graduated. Um, I that got picked up. And been doing it ever since. Uh, I sort of started in horror and I've stayed there for a while, but I'm also beginning to branch out a little bit now. I've done um, some sci-fi books and obviously now fantasy. So I'll be sort of having my fingers in many pies from now on, a lot of different genres going on. But yeah, most people know me from my horror work, especially for young adults. Uh, Asylum was fairly popular. So a lot of people have heard of that one. Um, but yeah, now I'm here to, to promote Shadows Rising. Yeah, you can definitely see a little bit of that like horror influence in a couple of, <laughs> of the passages. Like, and I mean, I'm I'm a horror fan as well, so resonated with me a lot. I found a lot of the moments in this book resonated with me quite a lot. I'm oh, just fabulous. sitting there reading, and I'm like, oh, I love this. Oh, I love this. Oh, and also <laughs> I love this. What's going on? <laughs> so yeah, it was a fun one to do. It's a there's a lot of different little genre influences packed all into one book, which is always that's a lot of fun so so speaking of the novel itself um i noticed like right off the bat 
that it started in a very similar place to Before the Storm, which was the uh, the book written leading into Battle for Azeroth. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that you chose to start the novel in essentially the same place with the with a feast in Gromish Hold, right? So mm-hmm. do previous titles written by other authors in the same universe influence you a lot? Is it really difficult to find or add your own voice when you have so much, so many other Warcraft novels written by other people to pull from? Um, you know, I've read um, a bunch of the Christy Golden books. I'm a fan of hers to begin with. So um, I just enjoy reading her work. But um, I mean, I, I think they influence to the extent that you kind of see what comes before and you want to honor that in a way. But I don't think it necessarily influenced me a ton just because I want this to be um, I'm not trying to mimic Christy Golden. You know, I want this to stand as my style and my way of writing. So I'm definitely aware of them. Also, just from a, a lore perspective, you know, I, I like to read that stuff just so I have a lot of background knowledge. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's not the same <laughs> as, as her <laughs> books, uh, nor is it an attempt to be to be the same. Uh, but yeah, no, I think um, I think there's some little touches throughout that are, if any, Anything sort of like an homage but right um, yeah. yeah that's what I was gonna say yeah more like an influenced by than a than a just the same as <laughs> yeah definitely you know and like the the timeline in this game is so condensed that you know there's still um there are events that are in before the storm that are still like uh, heavily weighing on some of the characters so it just made sense to to bring some of that in yeah I definitely think that there was a lot of um threads that you pulled from there even from the get-go in westfall having that uh one person who was just broken because of directly from um before the storm mm-hmm. did you did you leave any points that you were like i hope this gets picked up later i mean like without uh keeping <laughs> specifics were there like things where you're like i really want this to be something that people latch on to uh yeah i think there are a few pretty obvious ones but I can't really name them by name. Um, There are definitely a few relationships that I hope kind of uh, come back a few. um, Oh, we're going to talk about that so much later. (laughs) It's so hard. It's so hard to talk about it without, um, you know, a few, a few hobbies, perhaps. Uh, um, Gosh, it's difficult. Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, you always hope, right. That like this lays the foundation for something, but, it can really at the end of the day only be a hope because you know i'm in charge of this one tiny corner of the universe and there are so many other people that work on it that you're just praying like oh i hope there's like like, i really hope there's some tiny references in the game you know in the in the next expansion that would be awesome um but yeah you're you're just hoping because you don't you don't really have any influence over it that kind of leads into to one of the questions that was actually written in from one of our listeners uh they wanted to know how much direction Blizzard really provided you for the novel. And were you responsible for just like fleshing out details? Like how much are the events of the novel going to potentially like impact the actual game that we play? So I don't have a ton of foreknowledge of uh, what's coming in Shadowlands. Honestly, I was given exactly what I needed to know to write the book. Um, It's extremely directed. I mean, you're given a a very specific outline and very specific events have to happen. You know, character A goes here, character B goes there. You know, like uh, it's not down to, you know, make them say this. Right. But it's sort of um, pretty much your job right? (laughs) to figure out what they would say in those situations. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you know, get these two people in a room together and generally have them discuss X, you know, yeah. that that kind of thing. And then once you've sort of once you start writing it, like at first you feel really beholden to that. But then after a while, you start to be like, oh, OK, there's some places here where I think we need another chapter that they didn't really anticipate. And this kind of needs a little more fleshing out. And this kind of needs, you know, just a little more. Maybe we need an extra, you know, scene or whatever. So you start to just sort of add those things in organically. Like you're just like you're writing, you know, your own sort of book. And then afterward, everyone comes back together and, and sort of bring, you know, has their thoughts on it and whether or not my instinct was right um, or whether they want to, you know, tweak it a little bit or whatever, remove it entirely. You know what I mean? Like 
the range of responses <laughs> happens <laughs> to things. Um, so yeah, it is it is very directed. You're not sort of just handed the keys to the kingdom and and told to go on your way. It's uh, it, you have to be pretty willing to to have a lot of uh, parameters, a lot of limitations. That's, that's part of the job. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's very directed. And then, um, my job is to sort of make it feel alive and make it feel, you know, organic and, and like things are unfolding in a, in a natural way. Right. And it's a, it's a fun story to read, you know, it's, it's something that's entertaining in a way that you can't necessarily do in a video game. Right. You get to, you know, you're sort of bebopping all over Azeroth, seeing different things happen. You're with different characters. Um, that's you get not the way you get specific perspectives, too, which is something we don't really get in the games, right? Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, and a lot of people only play one faction or whatever. And so you would never experience a story this way in the game. I mean, maybe a cutscene might overlap a little bit, but things tend to sort of be about your faction when you're playing your faction. Um, and in this, it's much more like, no, we're telling the story of the world itself. And, and that includes all kinds of people. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely a challenge because you're like, okay, you don't want this to just feel like a list of events, even though that's what you've been handed. <laughs> so you have to really <laughs> try your best to make it feel like it's, it's unfolding in the way that you would kind of write your own book. Kind of jumping off of that, do you have any say in which characters we actually get to hear like the internal monologue of? Because that was something I noticed in, in a couple of places is that, you know, we would get to see certain characters sides of the story like um, Shaw, but then we wouldn't necessarily get to see the internal monologue of a character like Taronda. So were those decisions that you made or were those things that Blizzard was kind of like, oh, let's, you know, not give too much motivation away? Um, it's a bit of both. I mean, some of it was just logical. Like in the initial draft, I was pushing to have us be in Bonsomdi's POV, but mm. that actually didn't ended up not working because it's impossible to do that without giving a bunch of stuff away that like he would just be thinking about spoilery things right, for yeah, Shadowlands. He, he would know uh, he has so much right, information, right? right? <laughs> and that's, that's also part of why Sylvanas is so off screen in this book is because it's just the nature because that's the style. I, I like close third person. So you're seeing all the events from that person's perspective, how they would experience them and you're getting their, their thoughts and observations. So it's just, there were just certain things that logically made sense. Like we can't be in Sylvanas's head too much because that'll just give everything away. And same with Bonsomni and plus Bonsomni being a Loa, we kind of wanted to preserve the mystery there of mm. like, you're never going to get too close to him. Um, but no, I mean, uh, sometimes it was dictated and sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes it was sort of left up to me in terms of, OK, here's all the people in this scene. Kind of you logically decide who you think is going to have the most interesting perspective or the most like the, the best way into this material, um, especially when it came to like Flynn and Shaw. Like uh, there's a lot of scenes where they're in the same place at the same time. And so it was kind of left up to me, like, okay, who's the most, who's the right person for this, for this perspective. Um, same with like, uh, you know, going to, oh, I'm trying not to be specific, but uh, <laughs> there are certain, there are certain like people that kind of spin off and go, go do their own thing at certain points. And like who, you know, they're like, make it be these three people that go, but then I could kind of decide who I wanted to be in the head of, but, for me, it, it started to become like, well, let's not just pick people just to pick people, right? Like Thrall's in this a lot. So let's keep some consistency and like we will come back to him, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't want to, I mean, there's already a huge amount of POV. So I just like adding more at a certain point felt like a like a foolish move. Um, and you are in Tyrande's head at one point. Um, she does get a, she does get a POV chapter, but um, that's also, you know, dependent on, again, how much we want to give away, Um how much they want to foreshadow certain things. Like if I go too far in, in terms of her opinions or, or her whatever, her internal monologue, then you're kind of, you know, you're right, reined yeah. in at a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. When you are in the head of Toronto, she's very focused and not th having very many fleeting thoughts about other things. But uh, <laughs> you, you had mentioned uh, Sylvanas and uh, definitely in, in the novel, there's like Sylvanas has so few loyal uh, people remaining to her. Uh, like, is that a nod to the loyalist story? Like, how much of a role should a player uh, in World of Warcraft lore uh, have involved with the novels? 
Um, I mean, for me, it's it's like a I see them still as a you know, they're players on the board, certainly the people who are loyal to her. But I mean, my experience in the game, just from walking around Orgrimmar and hearing all the little tidbits of dialogue that are being said, like there's an active move to try to like get those people out. Right. I mean, there, there's a sense of like, 100%. (laughs) you have to be an underground supporter, right? You Mm -hmm. can't like be waving your Sylvanas flag in the street. So um, yeah, so to I just me, wave it, was, it on the podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't, you know, I'm not, I personally have zero judgment on that thing. Like I, I, I'm not coming to this book like, ho oh, oh, ho, I hate these, you know, like these players better watch out. Cause I don't like their whatever. Like that's not how I'm approaching it. It's really just what's the best way to tell the story. Um, I think you get some pretty sympathetic moments with Nathanos and, uh, with Sira. So they're sort of like the representatives of that of that third faction i would say right yeah the the <laughs> we we still serve our banshee queen type <laughs> types we, yeah, we exist I mean, in warcraft still <laughs> yeah and and too i mean the player is absent in general right i mean yeah. you never there's no mention of the champion anywhere because it's different for every person so you can't really you have to just imagine a world in which <laughs> there are no players which is kind of a strange thing considering how how big that is for us but um yeah you're kind of removing um any mention of those like those factors i think that that's part of the the thing that i really enjoy about reading the warcraft novels because i obviously love my time in world of warcraft in azeroth but then to to see those bigger stories taking place and those characters fleshed out without having to consider me at all it just feels like it's just so much bigger and so much grander and and i love the the larger lore that you're able to explore when you don't have to worry about like champion get me seven chickens <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it makes it feel more alive and more realistic yeah. and like and like these things are happening kind of around you and you're just observing rather than everything having to be about you all the time i mean it is a weird circumstance right because yeah. it's kind of like any any spin-off novels for any video games right like unless you're dealing with um a series where the main character is dictated to you and you have no real like you know say in in what they in what they accomplish but like for example you know like the dragon age books and stuff that's always very fraught because everyone makes different decisions so Mm. it's always like you kind of have to tiptoe around that even though the inquisitor or the the hero of ferelden is like a huge deal (laughs) but you can't really like you have to be so careful because you don't want to piss off like every you know everyone Mm -hmm. who who made a different decision or whatever or chose a different race or um etc so yeah you're sort of imagining an azeroth without all the players it's it's pretty wild and and speaking of the players there's one point in the novel and I, I kind of was like turning this over in my head as like, is this a spoiler? Is this not a spoiler? So it's maybe a light spoiler, <laughs> <laughs> but um, at one point in the novel, because we do, we spend a lot of time with Zakan and he ends up actually gaining his like internet moniker of zappy boy, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. that he was, he was known as that before we even knew he had a name. <laughs> So yeah, it's very meta. How how much are you actually like inspired by the fans and the greater kind of internet culture? And do you think that there's such a thing as like too much fan service or too many Easter eggs? Or should it just constantly be taking like fan sentiment into account when creating the lore and the world of Warcraft? So I have a controversial opinion about this. I know I know people don't like when I say this, but my opinion has yet to change. So <laughs> it is what it is. I don't like fan service. I'm always suspicious of it. Um, Zakan being called Zappy Boy was something that was given to me to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> I and I, I think it's incorporated fine, right? I'm not like oh, against yeah, no, it, it, was, hap- it happening really or something. Cute. It was really it yeah. was actually the only part of the novel that I had spoiled before I had a chance to actually get to it in my reading. So and yeah. that's why I say like it's not the biggest spoiler in the world. It's just kind of one of those things that, oh, okay, that happens. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a throwaway. It's not it really is, like yeah. crucial to anything it's that not happens. Central at all, yeah. <laughs> no. Um it's yeah, it's just kind of like a, a treat, I guess. But um I think it works because it's Bonsomdi doing it and he's very fourth wall breaking in general as a character. So 
to me, that was like, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with this because it's him. And it seems like a funny thing he would do, like the way he kind of like talks to you when you die in Zandalar and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think there's a lot of sort of meta fourth wall breaking stuff that, that he's involved in. So that, that worked for me, but um, yeah, I mean, I only will put in like a reference or an Easter egg if it feels relevant to what's happening. Like there's a few with Shaw and stuff, but to me, it's just like, well, these are things that happened in his life. They're not like, easter eggs in the sense that they're fourth wall breaking well, like yeah, they're just things that yeah. have occurred <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's kind of yeah, yeah what i'm getting at is more like the fourth wall stuff as opposed to like things that are references to events that have happened in warcraft past like i think those are great because then it's like oh you know like i remember that happening oh i saw that in game or you know read that in another book or whatever like hearkening back to characters past i think is great but it's the fourth wall stuff that kind of sometimes I go, OK. <laughs> yeah, no, I try to keep that as minimal or absent as possible. Obviously, the zappy boy thing is a notable exception. But um, no, I just don't. I just think it kind of ruins it for me because, um, you know, I, I think I try to write the characters as I see them. Right. But I don't. I don't really want to feel like someone's winking at me yeah. <laughs> necessarily when it I'm, ruins when the I'm immersion reading. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So to me, it's like, I, you know, if there's something that feels like an Easter egg, it's more just like, well, this is something that happened and it seems like a relevant thing to bring up right now. Um, and to me too, like I've had feedback of people being like this, this feels very like in the game, like, like this is set very in the game and i'm like yes it is it is that is Imagine intentional that, something set I, in the game about the right game. i'm like <laughs> i want to be able to show you every single setting where i put a scene i can take you there i i went and scouted everything out with my characters because i i wanted you to almost be able to walk through this like in real time if you wanted to in the game um because to me it's like that's what we're all here for i mean yes the books are the supplemental material is great but to me it should always like go back to the game it should always be honoring the game because that's how we all got into this so uh so to me i, I like to make it feel very like nested inside the game world um and yeah so if there's something referential to that to that i think it's only because i want to just make it feel very immediate um and very tied to the to the game itself but yeah no i'm not a big fan service person like there's nothing in this that's like my personal opinions about a character like maybe my observations of a character are present but there's nothing of me being like oh well you know savannah's loyalists are lame so i'm gonna do this <laughs> or like you know or like oh we all know that people who stand night elves are annoying they won't shut up about teldrassil like it's not that it's like never that because i don't You're know it's like everyone you went back to teldrassil because i'm like if she just craps on loyalists right now the interview is over <laughs> No, I think there's tons of vocal people who have all kinds of Absolutely. opinions about this game, right? <laughs> and to me, it's like, that's, you can't please everyone. You can't hit literally every corner of the game in one book. It's just not possible. So you kind of just have to remove that side of yourself that's worrying about like, oh, what are they going to think when you do this? Like, it, it's just not useful. And I, I don't think it lends itself to good, good writing. So... Well, you were saying that you uh, spent time like visiting these sites like in game. Can you like talk more about that process? Because like when I was reading it, especially like there are times where like characters are in the market and then walking from like point A to point B. And you mentioned like all these spots that I like know in game. Like what was your process in like going through that? Like were you like saying, oh, I want to make sure that I mention this particular spot or since I need to get through here, make sure that I do talk about this that's along the way. Um, I think my goal was to make it so that, yeah, so that it kind of would uh, spark memories of real places in the game, either from questing or just hanging out or, you know, just going about your business, um, go running from point A to point B, because to me, like, it's cool, right? It's sort of this feeling of like, oh, I know where that is. Like, I go there, I've been there all the time. And like, that's my favorite part of the the game world is the ambiance, the music, the sort of um, the sort of invisible storytelling that they do a lot of the time. Right. It's just more of the feeling that you get when you're in different locations. And so I had all of my mains, you know, on both sides parked all over the map so that I could just pop back in and be like, OK, I really I need to describe like walking from the harbor in Zandalar up to the pyramid. Like, what would you notice? <laughs> what would like what you know, like what what's kind of happening way like, too long <laughs> and it takes forever. And and Thrall's like, oh my god, that's a lot of steps. Um, 
so many steps. Yeah. So I just, you know, like, what would you notice? What would be like logical and what would, what would sort of, um, what would the character notice, but then what would also sort of help the reader be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where that, like, I know what that is. And then you don't, you know, you don't feel like you have to go see it in game necessarily. I mean, you can, but like it, it should hopefully ground you right away and like, Oh, I know exactly where that is. I, okay. I'm there. Um, and it works on two levels because then I also don't have to do nearly as much, uh, like fiddly descriptions <laughs> to get you, to right, get you on right. board. Right. We're sort of all in this collective delusion together. So I can really tap into that and, and like, you can shorthand a lot of things because everyone knows what Thrall looks like. You know, I don't have to spend six paragraphs describing him. So, um, yeah, it actually works to, in your favor sometimes <laughs> to just to just be like, well, everyone know, you know, every horde player knows what it's like to make this walk from the boats. You know, you have to do it in game when you arrive first, right? You have to like walk with Talanji and do that whole thing. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just that it's just tapping into our collective experience hopefully that is the goal yeah that's that's actually i something i hadn't really realized about the book is that there there is so much of that description and that descriptive text that just isn't there because you know like you say we're all familiar with what the characters look like we know all of these places like there was only a couple of times i found myself a little bit uh, lost kind of and that's only because I play the majority of my characters are horde side so I haven't really done that like alliance like starting I, I boosted an alliance character to see the new like expansion content so when you had like Anduin and I think Westfall right at the beginning I was like I have no frame of reference for this <laughs> like I mean, he's riding a horse in a field okay <laughs> I mean that is Westfall it's it's a it's some fields yeah and some pigs basically so you're not missing much but uh yeah no, I mean, I think it's uh, I know for me, I think there's a balance there, right, where you still want to help people out and see things. But um, because this game is so vast and there are so many things that we had to accomplish in the, a very short amount of time to me, it's like, OK, how can I how can I maximize our time here? How can we be the most efficient so that we can kind of like get to what's good? Because I feel like if I have to have somebody like describe Stormwind to me for too long, it's like, yeah, yeah I know what it, I know what it is though. Like, I, you know, I, you don't need to, you don't need to go into super, super detail. So. Mm -hmm. uh, well, just speaking about um, Anduin in the first kind of scenes in, in the book, I think it's, it's Anduin's first chapter. It might even be the first chapter of the book. I think it actually it's starts. Prologue, with it. Yeah. yeah. It's prologue, yeah. Um, and it was like literally the second page of the book where Anduin has, I can't remember if he actually says it out loud or if it's an inner monologue thing, but he says, there's no more wisdom in cynicism than optimism. And that really, it was probably the thing. And again, it happened on the second page, but it was probably the thing that resonated with me the most just because of, you know, the times we're living in right now and the, and the, just the climate in general and everything that's happening. Do you purposely try to, to kind of write a, a current context of the real world like into and like messaging into your books at all or is that just me like projecting way too much onto Anduin <laughs> no I, I don't think you're wrong I mean I think it's important to keep in mind right that this was written significantly before uh the times <laughs> that I guess were <laughs> yeah. not, I mean it was like edited during the pandemic but um you know the primary drafting that, yeah. on it was before that yeah but I don't know I think they're that may that may be more me speaking generally to the audience more generally to gamers as a culture <laughs> sort of like uh yeah it's great to like be jaded all the time but it's actually not the best way to live maybe and uh yeah and it, to me it's like you're also trying to uh kind of logically think about okay what lessons has he learned where is he at emotionally where is he at psychologically um and so yeah i mean you're always hoping that you're gonna write something that people are like oh like that that's interesting or that's meaningful to me um 
but it, <laughs> it you still want to question to... like my way of thinking and the way that I've been lately. I was like, you know, she's not wrong. <laughs> well, I think there's like, I think there's like this perception, right? That things that are self-serious and grimdark are naturally more artistic or naturally more meaningful. And to me, I like reject that concept like fully. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> nonsense. Like I think every piece of art, whether it's for children, whether it's funny, whether it's, you know, a video game, I think they all can have meaning. I think they can all be artistic, but I think there's like this weird cultural perception that things have to be like dark and moody in order to be valid and serious and, and win awards or whatever. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it's a bit of that. It's a bit of like talking back to that thematically, but also where Anduin's at in his life. Um, I think, I think he's going through a lot of transitions and I don't, I don't actually know if he would agree with that statement, maybe by the end of the book, like mm. it is in the prologue. <laughs> he yes, he yes. goes on a pretty, I mean, he has some emotional range in this book. So um, I think people generally see him as a very optimistic and sort of golden hearted character. Um, and I think that that line specifically sort of taps into that. But I do think by the end of the book, he's, he's definitely gone on a bit of a journey away from that. Absolutely. And we've reached about the halfway point now. So I think this is as good a time as any to just we going into we're going spoilers now. Spoilers okay. now. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Buckle up. Yeah. Okay. Because. OK, Manny, go ahead. Yeah, you can go ahead. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I have I'm love the questions and everything. I just I didn't want to spoil stuff. But like <laughs> since we're on the topic of Anduin and the journey that he goes through, like without like just throwing it out there like Jaina has also gone on a journey where mm -hmm. before she was very much uh, the war bringer and now she is um very much trying for peace in fact it seems that she's almost further than anduin again uh is that something that like where you are juxtaposing those characters to show like where they are on that sort of scale yeah almost like a cycle it felt very yeah. cyclical to me between those two characters. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I don't think it's wrong to to see that in the text. I think there are definitely uh, similarities between him and Arthas in this book. And so I think positioning her as sort of the moral heart made sense in that in that configuration. Um, and I think, you know, something some some of my favorite uh, writing that was done in BFA was the stuff with her sort of you know, helping out the horde and, and sort of helping this coup take place. And um, I mean, I reference it twice, each mm -hmm. from their perspective of like her and Thrall, like, well, what's different? And, and I'm like, well, if, if she is different, then that means she has to be right. She has to have distance from her, her old growth. self. Yeah. Right. She has to like her. And that distance is that to her, the ends do not justify the means to her piece is meaningful and important. I think she has so many sort of quote unquote allies or friends on the Horde side that I think it would be hard not to, to want that. Right. So, um, and it's important when you're building a story, you want to have people who stand in tension with each other even if they're not like at each other's throats all the time you want them to have different opinions because otherwise if people just agree with each other all the time it's <laughs> not the best for fiction um so yeah so she kind of is moving uh yeah, they are kind of swapping places a little bit in the sense that he's moving further away from um sort of this golden lion-hearted always trying to do the very best thing and kind of seeing like, well, the, you know, we're really up against a wall here. We might have to make some sacrifices. We might have to become people we don't like for a little bit for the greater good. And she's kind of on the other side, reminding him of, of what that can look like and what that can be. So, um, and I think it's just not, you know, she's older and wiser and she's kind of gone on this journey from being obsessed with vengeance and revenge and sort of, um, grown up as a person and so i think it it just made sense to have her sort of stand as you know if you almost kind of imagine someone like gen as sort of the devil on his shoulder and, and her as sort of the <laughs> angel in terms of just like just their influences are, are opposite not that gen is bad and she's good i i would never say that but um <laughs> but also you know i mean they're, they're pushing for totally different approaches and and so i think you know he's kind of one of his 
big problems in this book is trying to learn to trust his own voice, right? And not just constantly do whatever the last person he talked to <laughs> said to do. Yeah. Um, and kind of finding that inner voice of like, oh, okay, what do I actually think, though? Not what does Gen think? What does, you know, whoever thinks? So, um, yeah, so they kind of stand as those those polar, not polar opposites, but but somewhat opposites for him to to consult and to weigh and uh, I just thought it was important to have her show like, no, if, if she really is a different person now, if, if that conversation with Thrall is the truth and they're they're both telling the truth, then that means she has to have changed. So speaking but of those those opposite forces, <laughs> we did spend a little bit of time in especially in the beginning of the novel or I guess the first half of the novel with Illyria and Trallian. And I found like their relationship, the way that you wrote them was so great. But then we just kind of like after they, you know, had the fishermen and everything else. And we got those like really like, like I was saying, there's some horror influences that I noticed. And, and those are some of the parts specifically to do with like some of the the torture and the extreme tactics that, you know, Illyria and Turalian were kind of employing in order to get information we kind of just like left them there. So are we going to see more of them going forward? I don't even know if you could talk about that really. Or, you know, <laughs> is there a reason that like maybe we didn't kind of revisit that or Anduin didn't come down hard on them or, you know, like why did we just kind of move away from that and kind of over to Jaina and Anduin and their perspective going forward? Um, I mean, I think there's a few reasons. One is just time. Yeah. We just didn't have, you know, you're given a length that you're supposed to hit and you you kind of have to be faithful to that. Uh, but another sense is that like their job's kind of done in the book. They got what they needed. Um, they passed along the information and then now it's on to someone else to kind of like close close the deal, so to speak. Um, and none of the alliance shows up for the final confrontation. So right. they're sort of not there. And their absence at the end when um shaw returns and and sort of hands over sira is um to me because jane is there uh i thought it would be strange to have them there as well because there's sort of this this uh chasm that's opened up <laughs> between jaina and Illyria specifically mm -hmm. i think they do not see eye to eye in this book whatsoever and so to me it's I didn't want to give the impression that Illyria and Trillian are like in hiding or anything like that, but I think it's emblematic of their differ difference of opinion <laughs> in terms of uh, I don't agree with Jaina kind of being, you know, scolding us and running off to tattle on us to Anduin. Um, you know, like we're not we're not like super chill right now. So, so there's a definite sort of like rift there. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. And and on it, like, I really can't speak to what they'll be doing in Shadowlands. I was told, obviously, to make them do the things that they do and to sort of uh, push them in this more dangerous direction. So I can only assume that the, it, since, you, since it was dictated, I can only assume that it will come back and, right. and have meaning. <laughs> but I don't specifically know what that will be. There's sort of a moral relativism going on because... Like you were saying how Anduin has those like devil on his shoulder and angel on one hand. You have like Turalyon and Greymane there. And then when Turalyon goes off with his wife, he ends up falling on the dark side uh, after, I mean, some convincing. And <laughs> it didn't take that much convincing. Like, let's be honest. He kind of exhausted every bit. option he had. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he tried to do it the nice way. He does. Yeah. He really, he really did. For like did. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hours but yes uh, but so like was there a kind of push to be like nobody's on the exact right of this that there are just different takes on how uh the character should go about it and nobody's exactly right yeah and i think that's a consistent thing i mean i think it's intentional in the sense that i at no point wanted to say like this person has the right idea about this because I'm not even sure there is a correct answer. Um, you know, given what Sylvanas has done, I think you can make justifications for what Illyria and Trillian do in this book, but I think you can just as easily take the opposite side and be, and be more towards Jaina's side, which is like, no, no, no. If we start doing this kind of stuff, like what then, 
how are we that much different than Sylvanas, right? Like we kind of have they to like draw the alliance. <laughs> right. We have to like draw our line in the sand and be like, are we there are certain things we're not willing to do or certain things we're not willing to become. But to me, it's like the interesting part of Warcraft is that you can be on so many sides of of a problem. And the initial interest of the game for me was like, oh, you can like play as orcs. Like you can be the people that usually were just kind of in fantasy, like mindlessly fighting against. Yeah, like, the bad oh, guys cool. and the yeah, the other side. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, they have families and values and and a culture. And like that's meaningful and valid too. And so I think my approach whenever I I mean for this specific this property specific specifically is like to honor that and to have that in mind of like there are a million ways to approach these problems. The horde would do it differently and when would and then even within the faction there's a bunch of different voices right and i think that's a thematic thing that started emerging in bfa particularly with the way teldrassil was handled of like the night elves just being like this isn't good enough right like we're really suffering we really had this major loss and we just don't think that you're doing enough and there's a splintering that's that's happening within the alliance and so to me it's like well if even on one side, nobody can agree how to do things <laughs> that I think it's easy to extend that right to like every character is going to have a difference of opinion. And I don't think it's maybe my job to come to say like what I think is right. <laughs> I, I just think <laughs> I just want to present all the sides and be like, okay, like now it's up to you reader to decide like what you think and yeah. who you sort of agree with in this, in this circumstance. Well, you talked you talked a little bit about the splintering of the alliance and and the night elves and and that kind of just moves my brain over to Taronda and she's been this really interesting but I think underutilized character through BFA as she's been going through her whole like R wrath of a loon stuff and and all her night warrior everything like her, I, her goth face. yeah like <laughs> i wish that was a little bit more like front and center and we got to see a little bit more of her in the book which i thought was great and there's kind of one moment at the end in particular when she's confronting sira and then sira says that she had no choice to be brought back but then the experience that we had at least Horde side in the game, and I can't speak to Alliance side. I don't know if they saw everything play out the exact same way. It's it's kind of the the whole idea of like maybe not necessarily retconning, but just like events being told from either the victor or a specific point of view. Um, is there like is there an element of that here? Because we as Horde players were kind of told like, oh, yeah, Sira, you know, she was super angry. She felt abandoned by her leader, by Loon, everything. So now she chooses to be forsaken and, and serve the Horde like she she chose that. Um, and we're very much told and that idea is reinforced that all of the night elves that were raised made that choice to serve Sylvanas. So is this kind of conversation between Taronda and Sir and Sira a little bit of a retcon or a little bit of a different point of view and how appropriate or how long do you think that things should kind of stick around that are told in game before they can be flipped on their head and changed a little? <laughs> so I'd like to rebuttal with, not every character tells the truth all the time. Okay. Yes. Uh, we're not in Sira's head in that moment. We don't know what she's thinking or what she's, what she, why she's saying what she's saying. She is in a prison with a woman who's probably coming <laughs> to execute her. Fair enough, so, fair enough. So more of a, like, please spare me without saying please spare me. I'm just putting it out there <laughs> that people will react differently in different situations. The Sira you see alone in a jail cell surrounded by enemies is not the Sira you see swagging swaggering around in the jungle giving guff to Nathanos right <laughs> yeah like circumstances matter and and context matters so to me in that moment what you're really seeing is like it, for me Taronda goes to that jail cell with every intention of 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 annihilating her and i think toronto walks into every room with that intention right now that is kind it's of her energy annihilate yeah. no, that's, everything yeah. that's, that's, that's her vibe for sure right now um but specifically this and in that moment and she's really swayed 
to the minute, right? It's a very near thing. Um, and so for me, it's like every circumstance has to come together in that moment for her to not do it for her to not kill her um or whatever i don't know what you would say like <laughs> release her from undeath or, or whatever you want to say it but depends, um, yeah what her. your views of yeah <laughs> to end her yeah that's good. yeah 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 so that that's what i would say is that um people lie <laughs> uh a lot people lie a lot and especially when self-preservation is potentially on the line um so yeah and i i think it's i think hopefully it's obvious that sarah does not act the same way in that scene as she would you know if she was with her allies out you know like she, she's she's responding to to context is what right. i would that's what i would say in that scenario Fair enough. Uh, we actually had another listener question as well, um, asking more about the original character, uh, Teo, that you wrote, who was in the kind of Zandalari rebellion. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is that character kind of similar to Grizzik and Safranetta from the Before the Storm? They ended up in the game eventually. Well, Jeez. she dies, <laughs> so I don't think we're going to see her in the game <laughs> unless she is in the Shadowlands, but I have no information on it. I don't know if any of my original characters will, will show up in the game. I have no idea. Well, obviously you struck a chord. <laughs> no, I mean, I would love, obviously I would love, I would love to see them, uh, but, you know, I knew, I knew Apari was going to die before the end, so I was like, well, there's, you know. There's no reason not to put her in here because they don't have to like make it, you know, like do a character model or do anything for her because she's not going to make it to the end. But um, no, I would I mean, I would love to see her in the game. Obviously, that would be really, really cool. But you're never like writing with that expectation because, um, you know, these are like it's supplemental material. I have no idea how much of the book will be woven back into the story, you know, so I'm just sort of given like big things I have to hit and certain foreshadowing that I have to do. And then um, anything, any other references that come up in the game will just to me be gravy. Like it'll be awesome to see it. But uh, yeah, I have no, I have no foreknowledge <laughs> of, of whether or not her or Tayo or anyone else will, will pop up. I, well, I, really I do want to congratulate. Do. Sorry, yeah, I do want to congratulate you on that character because it was a great way of one showing a bit of texture to even Talanji's sort of like anger, irrational anger and pride and how she made a mistake while the horde was making a mistake and like how nobody was perfect in that situation. And also mm -hmm. like it was yet again, another character that was just driven by grief and rage that caused them to just go off kilter, which as we were talking about with Sarah before mm -hmm. can do really strange things to people. So I, I thought that was a great character to add in. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of themes about the cost of of becoming consumed by vengeance or like what's the right amount of, of vengeance? <laughs> what's the what's the proper amount of of being enraged and driven by revenge, right? And I think you have it from like Jaina, you have it from uh Taranda, you have it from Syrah, and you have it from Apari, and you definitely have it from Talanji. So there's all these sort of case studies of like what does it do to you and what's potentially the cost if you don't uh adjust course well even i mean sylvanas her story there's so much of her story that is driven by revenge and vengeance oh, absolutely. And, you know yeah, like yeah. It, it is quite a common theme i think in warcraft and and yet we still had a whole bunch of different perspectives and different stories being told in shadows rising that still fit the theme but just gave it a whole lot more flavor and texture because you had all these different events all of these different perspectives people who were able to move on to certain extents or not and uh, and how they kind of lived their life past that and i mm -hmm. i thought it was it was a just a great exploration of those themes so Thank you. And it's interesting to me, too, because, again, I'm not coming down on the side of like all revenge is bad. Right. Mm. I think there's like I think there's there definitely should be someone should answer for what happened at Teldrassil. Like I, I hold that personal opinion and I think that would be correct sort of in a larger cosmic mm -hmm. justice sense. Um, so like where Taronda ends up is like, OK, maybe she's sort of finding the balance. Right. Like maybe she can move away from this a little bit and like find find motivation to get justice for her people but not at the cost of like just reckless slaughter right, right. so like 
Like, come on, who doesn't like a reckless slaughter? I mean, really? No, I mean, trust me, I love her in Night Warrior mode. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Writing her dialogue was probably some of the most fun I had in the book. But like, you know, but I think as a uh, for storytelling purposes and for, you know, like what kind of fiction and what kind of media do we want to put out into the world? Um, I think she has some interesting potential there. I'm curious to see where, where she ends up. I'm honestly just hoping right now, and this is completely off topic, but I'm hoping that they do like a Taronde beat em up where she just goes down streets of rage and just slaughters <laughs> people. So that's sort of where I see her at the just beginning of the book. the moon on people, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's kind of, there's one final kind of topic that I think we can cover here in the last 10 minutes or so. Um, Talanji, like when you very first start to kind of put the threads of an LGBT story into Shadows Rising, it's with Talanji. And, you know, you've got this down on the luck, failing noble house and the daughter needs to get married, but she's not rich enough. And then, you know, very shortly after it's revealed that she wants to marry the daughter of another noble house. And it's I I loved reading it because it was like any other kind of star cross down on your luck love story without any like fanfare. It wasn't really in your face. It was just like it was told as if it was anything else and it was normal and I loved it. And then we had the whole Flynn and Shaw thing. (laughs) So oh my God. Oh my God. I just I, I loved these stories so, 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 so much. So can you talk you. can you talk a little bit about the kind of emphasis on representation in Warcraft because I feel like there's you know there's more women we're getting cosmetic options that allow for people of color to kind of express themselves a little bit more in their characters in game obviously the LGBTQ stuff that we were talking about in the book is that like a lot of your own narrative style is that coming a little bit more from blizzard like how how much of that is is you and versus like them and their direction sure um well i think you know when they when i was getting the traveler job obviously they looked at sort of the body of my work before hiring me and i've always put a lot of representation and diversity in my books it's just always something i've felt strongly about i just reflects the world as i see it like i live in a diverse city i have diverse friends you know like to me it's weirder to not do that so yeah yeah, to me i'm just like well i don't live in like you know all whitey whitesville with straights you know like there's a lot of there's a lot of diversity around me and that's and in the world at large and i think you know coming onto this project, it was one of the mandates I was given was like, we're moving in this direction. We want you to make this couple canon go with God. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> no, no go. And I was like, great, cool. Love it. And, uh, and yeah. And then sort of the other little touches, there's a, there's a couple that's mentioned at the beginning, that's two men. And then there's the, the Zandalari brides and obviously Flynn and Shaw. And to me, it was just like, well, if we're going to present this in the book, um, and just do it in a way that feels right and feels natural that we should just establish that this is also just how it is in the world and just a larger context. So this is just the way it is. We don't have to like hang a big hat on it. Right. Like we right, can just, yeah. Which like, is why is I enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I enjoyed your writing style so much is it, it wasn't like a whole bunch of fanfare. It wasn't this whole big thing. It was just like, no, this is how it is. This is normal. This is accepted. This is the the world. Because I think for so long, Warcraft has been kind of written and based in a like traditional Western European medieval, like history, fantasy, lore type headspace. And it's- yes, which is very odd given how many uh, cultural influences, we'll say, have yep. made it in. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of it is a little uh, discordant, I would say. So was it difficult yeah, to like update that world? Um, I think you just have to do it right. I think you just have to sort of be like, listen, this this band-aid's coming off for the bigots <laughs> one way or another. So like we're just <laughs> just go and just do it and do it with confidence and do it with authority. And, you know, hopefully the romance that that's presented here comes across as, you know, slow and natural and romantic as a straight couple would, because that's how I wrote it. That's how I write my straight 
romances. So like, <laughs> you know, they're just two people kind of connecting and finding, uh, finding common ground and then realizing, oh, hey, I think about this person more than I thought I would. Or, oh, I like remember the way they smell and that triggers of, you know, a fond memory. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was like scary because I guess because all my other books, there's just a lot of different, you know, representation happening. So for me, it was natural because it was just like, just doing it my job any other day. Um, I will say, obviously, like, there's nerves in the sense of like being aware of the, the gamer context, right? right? Yeah. Of, like knowing that there could be backlash, knowing that there could be people who are upset or, or whatever. But to me, it's just like, I, I, I'm a citizen of this game too. A lot of my friends that play, you know, are in the LGBTQ plus community. They're different races, they're different, you know, sexualities. And so it's like, they deserve to have the same level of respect as everybody else. And they deserve to see their stories and their lives reflected in their fiction. So um, if anything, Blizzard was very, like, very direct about wanting wanting to move in this direction and uh, making it a mandate and supporting all the other little extra touches that I wanted to bring in. Um, you know, we had a diverse team working on this book. So, you know, there's a lot of passion for that. And I think I think this is just the beginning. Right. I think mm -hmm. this is one small step. But I it, this isn't like here we gave you one thing. Now now be happy and go yeah. away and stop <laughs> asking us. If anything, I'm like, no, this is like the signal of like what's to come. This is setting setting the tone of like what you can expect to see moving forward. Yeah, to have stated it so frankly and so matter of fact that like it's not tokenism. It's that this man lost somebody at, um, in Arathi that was like his world and is shattered by it. And it's not. And when suddenly being like, oh, oh, I didn't realize that was going on. It was true, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is this magic? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it is very it's just very matter of fact. And to me, that's just the way to handle it, because I, I don't know. I feel like you'd have to like rebuild the world if you wanted to like be like, well, now we've all discovered gay people like that to <laughs> me just doesn't seem like it would happen. Like, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I think this is the way to do it. Right. Is to just like just start habit having it just incorporated into the world. And I think over time it just becomes like, oh, well, this is how it's always been. Absolutely. And I mean, this pairing of Flynn and Shaw like you mentioned the, you know, how a person smells and stuff and, and the emotions that that can evoke. It's like when I was reading this, I was just like, oh, my God, like, I know what that feels like. Like, I've been there and I like I just I identified with them and their romance so much. And I loved it. And Flynn was like one of my favorite characters to come out of BFA. So, yeah, if anything, this is like, I think I might want to go like play on the Alliance side just so I can like spend <laughs> yes. more time with these characters because I just I love them so much. <laughs> yeah, they're a fabulous couple. I mean, I love writing an odd couple. It's one of one of the great joys of, of getting to do this job. And so getting to pair up two people who seemingly have so little in common yeah. uh, and sort of giving them a connection point and, and getting to and getting to color in Flynn's backstory and give him a few moments of not just being a goofball was was also very satisfying but yeah he's like he's one of the most fun characters to write i mean he's just a blast that was actually really interesting i thought from like shaw's perspective too again like as a as a majority horde player i know almost nothing about him other than you know like he's the head of si7 he he spies things mm -hmm. and generally if we find out he's around as the horde that's a bad thing so you know i don't have a lot of context for him so like to see a lot of like his backstory and see him opening up and, and stuff. It just, again, it like, gave me more touchstones with these characters that I didn't necessarily have before and, and really made me want to go and see the other side of the story in a way that I just haven't had that level of interest in before. So just, just well, so well done. Fantastic. <laughs> but thank you. Well, it's, it's interesting. Cause I think, you know, uh, having played since classic and being very familiar with the Alliance story, like, uh, Shaw is often and up until quite recently kind of presented as like brick hard man, right? Like he's just <laughs> sort of this like immovable object with a mustache and he's very like serious and mm -hmm. stoic and 
maybe has a dry sense of humor every once in a while. Right. But um, honestly, this, a lot of the backstory stuff that I brought up was established in different uh, supplemental material and in, in the game, the stuff with his grandma and stuff. But we definitely we definitely pushed it further and, and added more details and color to it. But um, yeah, no, I, I was just great to sort of like give you this sort of unexpected pairing. And then hopefully by the end, though, it feels like, oh, but that no, that makes sense. Oh, it made so much sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was natural. And by the time he's uh, smelling whiskey, salt and soap, I was yeah. just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I know Here where this goes. is going. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah when no, you it's... start to recognize somebody's scent, then it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Yeah, that's to me. I mean, it's the way my brain operates, right? Is I've, I've most of my uh, memories and nostalgia get very closely tied to either like food or or scent. So uh, to me, it was just the the best way to sort of like clue people in <laughs> that like, okay, this is the feelings are developing in a different direction. It's not just oh, this guy's chill or he's my friend or he's you know whatever. It's um, a much more romantic and an intimate sort of direction. So. Well, we're coming near to the end of our time with you. So uh, did you have any final thoughts you might want to share with the audience? Manny, do you have any final questions for Madeline? Okay, I'm going to I'm going to shoot for the uh, high. Shoot uh, your shot. All right. All right. Three quick questions. One, is there sure. any character that you didn't get to write that you would love to write in the future? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um... Yes, of course. <laughs> they're all they're also they're also good. Although I will say I got I really lucked out in how much I got to cover here. Um, I, this is such a such an expected answer, but I would love to write Illidan. I think it would be the most fun. Um, yeah, that would be my answer. Illidan like uh, post Legion or like some super anytime. backstory. Oh, I'll anything. I'll okay, because I was like, I would yeah, read yeah. about like you writing about Illidan and the Titans. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, the I'll world do that. is not prepared for that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll take yeah. I'll take him when he's prepared. When he's not prepared, I'll take him anytime. That would be a lot of fun. Or Demon Hunter stuff in general would just mm. be a blast to to do. Okay. Uh, the second one is, is there a location that you would have really loved to have the characters visit that you didn't get a chance to get them to because of the confines of the story? Oh, that's a great question. Man, also so many choices. Um, I'm such a sucker for like anything night elfy feeling. So it would have been cool to sort of like do Ashenvale or Darkshore or um, I mean, I know some of the stuff coming in Shadowlands like Man Ardenweald is going to be so cool. Mm. Like all that kind of colorful druidy stuff or the Moonglade. I would love to do something in the Moonglade. But I, we got a little bit of it with Nordrasil. So um, yeah, that would that would be my answer. Okay, yeah, no, Nordzil was like definitely uh, something. Uh, of course, it was uh, through the eyes of Thrall, and so it was yeah. a lot of uh, foreboding and uh, not yeah. feeling so comfortable there. And then you've got you've got like uh, Bane and and Callie, like oh, that's so pretty. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thrall, no, Thrall, we're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. Everyone, keep your eyes, keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, those those are my uh, two, uh, two oh, questions. I thought you had so I was three. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. So I, I did have three, and I was uh, and I okay. Which culture did you want to explore more? Um, that isn't in the book, or that is because you kind of touched on all the characters, uh, all the characters that were in the console. Uh, the council. oh sure. So I feel like you've sort of seen each of them, but like which which of their cultures, including on the Alliance side, mm -hmm. which culture would you have loved to explore more about like what make that what makes that culture tick? Uh, I would really love to do some Morgan stuff. I gotta say that would be a lot of fun. I think it would lend itself well to my sort of spooky town USA <laughs> stuff too. Um, that or Volpera would be a lot of fun because they're sort of new and I just fell in love with them so hard when I was playing the game. So I would love to do like a Volpera spinoff novella or something. We haven't really seen too much be written about the, the Worgen. We've, I mean, we had Wolfheart when they were kind of being introduced to the Alliance, but even in that novel, that was kind of like, there were 
night elf murders happening and you know like it wasn't really it was more you know oh you guys are just animals you don't have a place in the alliance you didn't help us you built the wall but there wasn't a lot of like from the worgen perspective and the story wasn't even told in gilneas so i yeah i'd love, love to see, to see you. that yeah it would be fun. I will say Genhead is a pretty strong presence in uh, Before the Storm, but that's like one, you know, that's sort of like one figurehead. It would be nice to to do some more stuff with like them as a larger culture, especially with like now them and the Night Elves to some extent and all the allied races kind of being folded into this larger alliance, quote unquote, culture. Like that to me is fascinating stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like how, like what does it look like to be a Darnassian refuge living in Stormwind? Like how weird <laughs> would your yeah. life suddenly be, you know, and you're uprooted from this very different context and now suddenly you live in like a human city. I don't know, that kind of stuff, I, it really, really interests me. <laughs> Night Elves being uprooted. Oh boy, I didn't even mean for that. But oh, you nice. know you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. I honestly didn't. I honestly didn't. Um, yeah, or Morgan too. Yeah, you're sort of like you're just sort of like brought into this culture. You're brought into the alliance. Like, what does that mean? Like, how do you sort of hold on to your to your culture? How do you how do you preserve those you know those like parts of yourself that are you know you should you feel like you should be in Gilneas, but but you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be that would be really, really interesting to explore. And I mean, obviously, Volpira because they're adorable and they're adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I am down for all the foxy tales. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Madeline, thank you so much for joining us. Is there is there anything that you would like to pimp? Is there anything you'd like to share or anywhere you'd like to point people to as we bring this to a close? Um, not really at the moment. I'm, I have some books coming out next year, but I'm not really ramping up uh, promotion for them yet. So if you do like Shadows Rising, hopefully you'll check out some of my other work. Um, if you don't know where to start, you can email me. My email is listed on my Twitter bio. Um, and that is at author Rue. Uh, all one word. So come find me, come hang out. I love to answer questions and, and talk to people and interface with the fandom. So yeah, no, I, I'm just hoping people go out and get Shadows Rising and love it. I had a blast writing it. So um, it's it's fun and easy to to promote. If anyone isn't following Madeline on Twitter, I'm telling you right now you're doing it wrong because it's literally <laughs> the best follow of the last like two years of my life. <laughs> oh, thank you. I like to have a good time over there and be goofy. I'm not it's not super professional, but it's it's just I, in the pandemic. It's just the way I have to keep myself <laughs> sane. So I think it's great. So thank you again so much for joining us. So Manny, where can folks find you on the interwebs? So I made a little tour around various podcasts. So if you want to hear more from me about World of Warcraft, uh, you can join me with Frasley and Titan's Creed. That's over at their show, which is Stories Around, sorry, Stories Around Azeroth. And I also was a guest host on uh, All Things Af Azeroth. Wow, everything Azeroth. For Azeroth, <laughs> stories around Azeroth. Anyways, I was also a guest on All Things Azeroth, and that was with Ali and Medros. And so you can check them out. That is either found at uh, the Twitter, which is stories around Azeroth, or you can find All Things Azeroth at All Things Azeroth. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But other than that, you can find me personally on Twitter and Twitch at TrueVillainManny, true without the E, and join us in the Discord where we have all these conversations, and that is at bit.ly slash FazDiscord. Joss, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Twitch. I am at JossPlays. That's J-O-C-E Plays. And as always, go and check out our friends over at WarcraftRadio.com. That's going to do it for us this week. I hope you guys really enjoyed the interview. And until next time, guys, may all your hits be crits. <laughs>